Earlier this year, all of us Backstory hosts sat down with a long, and I mean long, list that Monica had created for a morning-long judging meeting here in Charlottesville. We were chaired by our executive editor, David Stenhouse, and joined by two special guests who are both fans of Backstory. Chris Jackson, most famous as George Washington in the musical Hamilton, and Margot Lee Shetterly, the author of the best-selling history book, Hidden Figures. Before we sat down, I grabbed a word with them. I'm delighted to be here with Margot Shetterly and Chris Jackson, who I want to thank for serving on our panel of judges. But I have to ask both of you, why did you do this? Are you crazy? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I was really intrigued by this idea of a prize that is dedicated to public history. So often we think of history, we think of history books, textbooks, classrooms, um, but history, public history, you know, history is something that's relevant to all of us and it's part of our daily lives, even though we, we don't necessarily know how it's shaping that. And I think pulling the curtain back on history and um, really telling the public this is something that you need to know, um, I, I think that's a, a unique proposition. So I was really excited to participate. Well, we're certainly glad you did it. Chris, why did you get entangled in this? Everywhere you turn, history is living and breathing. And as we shine a light on the moments that have shaped our, our times, it empowers us to, to move through the space and, and, and it defines our relationships in a way that, that creates new history by acknowledging where we've been, the hold that it has on us, and how it's shaped and affected us, and how we can continue to, to move the conversation forward, uh, further our understanding, and, and change our today. Uh, and I think that's, that's the times that we're in. So anytime you get to participate in, a, in, in something like this that, that further spotlights um, the work that, that these folks in the world are doing, I think that it, it makes everything better around us. We asked you to make your way through dozens of entries for this prize, films, museum, exhibitions, websites, plays, books. How'd you do it? What was your strategy? <laughs> I looked for the things that I recognized first that I already... <laughs> You're an honest man, Chris. <laughs> I did. Um, and I, I examined why uh, they affected me the way that they did. Uh, and then I took every opportunity to to look into the things that I, I didn't know, much like my experience with backstory. I'm uh, I, I'm constantly amazed by the number of things that are illuminated that I thought I knew something about and, and really didn't. And so that's what's the most interesting to me. That's what I pursue. Um, and as I said earlier, th this list has given me enough material to last for the next year. <laughs> wow. Well, we'll check back with you soon. OK, <laughs> there'll be a quiz, by the way. Oh, okay. Margo? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, my strategy was similar. There were a number of items on the list that I immediately recognized. Uh, but I was really curious about the ones that I didn't, the ones that I hadn't heard about um, that were, you know, on a list that, that for some reason had been selected as important public history. So, um, you know, I'm with Chris. I've got a, a Netflix queue and, um, you know, uh, museums to visit from now until, you know, 2020 or whatever. Uh, and that that was part of the exciting thing, and I think that's really the, one of the wonderful things about um, about backstory and about this award is there's a sense of discovery. But it was time for the meeting to begin. I'll just make some introductory remarks. Thank you so much for setting aside the time 
to go through this list. This is the first time we've we've done this, and I think it's a great way to mark Backstory's 10th anniversary. What has Backstory done so well for the last decade is made great history available to a broad audience. And what's the best way to mark that to to reward other people who are doing that same thing? So, I hope today we're going to finish up uh, with an agreed winner who will represent the best kind of aspects of that. So something based on real research, solid history, but also reaches a big a big audience. And of course, because we are multidisciplinary, it's going to make chairing this meeting a challenge because we're looking at, you know, how does he compare a podcast or a book to it? So what I propose to do is go around the table and to ask you whether you could let me know, just in headline form and a few introductory remarks, what your top three or four or five, you know, would be, the ones that you would be happy for us to walk out of this room uh, with them having one. Ed, do you want to start with that? I would. The three that I uh, propose are uh, the National Monument to Peace and Justice, Mudbound, and Tower. And the rationale I'll offer for all for those three, other than intrinsic excellence and and civic value is that they seem to <clears throat> think about form more than some of the others, which are relatively straightforward uh, representations. Thank you. Brian? I agree with Peace and Justice and with Mudbound, uh, and simply because I think it would be odd uh, if we didn't have a podcast um, in the discussion. I have long been a, a huge fan of the BBC podcast Witness. Nathan? One of the things that I brought to the exercise was thinking about what an award from backstory might mean to increase the visibility of a project that might not be widely discussed and talked about. So as much as you know, impact and existing impact was part of our assessment, I also was thinking for what kinds of public history work, what an award from Backstory actually helped to elevate its stature and bring it to a wider audience. So it was it was actually on that axis alone that I decided not to support the Equal Justice Initiative Memorial because I know it's getting a lot of great attention. It's a brilliant project. It's a brilliant installation. I'm happy to have much more specific conversations about it. When I was looking at the um, Durham website, for instance, the Uneven Ground website, you know, somebody who has worked on websites and the challenges of conveying important information via the web, I was just really impressed at the breadth of the Durham site. I mean, it basically goes from the indigenous period in North Carolina all the way to the present. Um, I thought it did a really good job as a kind of user-friendly platform in conveying really thorny issues like tenant activism and landlord exploitation. Joanne. Okay, the few that I picked, I think... I was partly picking things that I thought obviously were um, doing history of substance, but also that I, I felt that they um, they certainly grabbed me on an emotional level and in that way, kind of a powerful way that, that I think gives them a public power as well. And that was where uh, the National Memorial of Peace and Justice came from. Um, Nathan, you totally gave me permission to include Won't You Be My Neighbor, which was actually one of the initial things I was intrigued with. And then I was like, can I put Mr. Rogers on this? But the thing about that, I watched that on a plane at one of my recent meanderings. And the thing that grabbed me about it, actually, in addition to the fact that, um, and I agree with, with what Nathan said, that it, it really shows you the power of 
public television. And it also put Mr. Rogers in a very contemporary mode. You know, it brings him up very close to the present in a way that made his project look different and made the present look different um, in a way that I think good public history does. So I, I put that there, too, and also, as I said, because it, it you know, I, I was one of, I think, many idiots on an airplane crying <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at all of the things that that implied. I have not seen Mudbound the film. I have heard much about it. The first one on my list was the Vietnam documentary by Ken Burns. I'm 43 now, so for me, it, had, it just I've watched it twice. I, I it took wow. me forever to actually get to it. Um, and the thing that struck me was, you know, a conflict that spanned so many years. Um, my generation was defined. My parents were affected. Were were living it while they were having my generation. Um, and I found that as a kid, you know, growing up in Southern Illinois, I, I we played war every day. It was I was a, a I could tell you just about every plane that flew in World War II. Um, we built the models. We played, you know, uh, soldier in the backyard. As I was struck by the fact that we were playing those war games as you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, as the, the age of my daughter now, and had no idea that the conflict was so incredibly fresh. Um, I had an uncle who was uh, uh, my, my mom's cousin, who was uh, a Green Beret. Uh, and for years, my family spoke about how affected he was. And I always thought he was the best guy in the world, the most fun. I have to say, when I first saw the list, the problem that I had was what criteria to use. So, for example, is it fair to compare, you know, a small documentary film to a fictional film, one that's not actual history, but represents history? You know, is it how do you... Like, I, I think that if we separated it out, it might be easier to apply criteria to each mm-hmm. and uh, not allow have people say, well, you know, you had Ken Burns versus the museum versus, like, how the heck did you guys make that yeah. choice? Yeah. I was thinking as we were trying to determine, you know, what makes a backstory award a backstory award. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and one of them, you know, that we, that we really do, you know, mull over as a group around every single show and, and, and as you know we even think about topics are things that are either or sometimes both topical and evergreen right so the thing about the history behind the headlines tagline is is there something about um you know the vietnam war that strikes us as both extraordinarily necessary for thinking about afghanistan and iraq and that will be evergreen right? is there something about mudbound that taps into universal evergreen and yet at the same time, we need to really revisit the interdependency of the black and white experience right now more than ever. So, so I, I wonder if there's a way for us to think about the, the character of the show as a way to kind of get at and sharpen our own criteria. In that spirit, think about what defines backstory. In some ways, it is the discovery of people and mm-hmm. stories and perspectives that are not otherwise heard. Um, and if we were making that sort of criteria. What's in the spirit of the 10 years of the work that we've done? It is right. um, surprise and sort of rubbing against the grain a little bit would be sort of one criteria.